Welcome to Keep You 100 Radio. I'm your host, Felicity Pointer, type 1 diabetic, certified health coach, personal trainer, and founder of Needles and Spoons Health and Wellness. Inside this podcast, you'll find the real and raw conversations around diabetes management, including the lessons that we don't learn in our endos office, my best tips and trainings, and conversations from the experts that I trust inside the community so that you can create more predictability in your diabetes management and feel empowered while doing so. Let's dive in. Hey, hey, welcome to the Keeping It 100 radio segment, Empowered Voices. I'm Valeria Garcia, certified health coach, type 1 diabetic, women's wellness coach and mentor inside Needles and Spoons, and alumni of our signature program, Keeping It 100. Inside this segment, I hold space and interview individuals, leaders, and supporters from the T1D community to share their story, journey, experiences, and wisdom to empower, inspire, and share their light. To find these conversations live, join us inside the T1D Judgment-Free Zone Facebook group. All right, we are live. So this is another episode of Empowered Voices with Val, and I'm so excited to have Julie join us today. She is from Connected in Motion. She is also a T1D herself. So very excited to have her share today just about what it's like to get a bunch of T1Ds together (laughs) in a community setting out in nature um, and what that looks like. So Julie, tell us about you, who you are, how many years you've been a diabetic. For sure. Yeah. And thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Um, We actually just recently worked with Lizzie and uh, she's great. Um, So yeah, I'm just excited that you invited me to come on. Um, I'm Julie. I'm actually Canadian. So I live up in Toronto. Um, I'm a registered kinesiologist and certified diabetes educator and health coach. And I've actually just recently, October 19th was my 32, 32 Um, Yeah. So 32 years. So it's been been a moment. Um, yeah. Um, but, uh, how old were you when you were diagnosed? I was 11. Okay. Actually there's a little bit of debate. I like (laughs) go back in time and I'm like, was it, was I 10? Was I 11? I, yeah, I think I was 11. So I'm going to say 32 years. Um, (laughs) that's, that's like back to the dates where we had like log books that you had to like write in the date. So, um, but like there's a third line there. Yeah. (laughs) No, I totally get that. I've been a diabetic. It's going to be seven years, but every time people ask me what age I was and it was not even that long ago, but I'm like, was, I think I'm 23 or I was 24. I forget one of those. I was in the early twenties. And like for a long time, like diversity wasn't a thing. So we didn't really keep track. And I had to like, kind of go back and think about it and try and see if I could find my log books, like with a year. Cause I was like, maybe I was 10, maybe I was 12. And I was like trying to remember like when I went to summer camp, um, it seems silly, but you know, when you're a kid, you don't really like, I mean, you've seen like a whole lifetime go on with diabetes of just like so much like transitions, information, the way we're connecting now. Like, I just feel like so much I'm sure has happened since you were 10 years old. Totally. Um, one of the act- the things that have remained constant actually is like my love of the outdoors and, you know, growing up, I've always been active. Like as a kid, we had a, we had a pool and not like necessarily like you think, Oh, connected motion adventure, all this crazy stuff. But like I swam for 12 hours a day when I, you know, was a child. Cause I all summer long, you know, <laughs> I, like was in soccer. I was, uh, I learned how to ski when I was little. I did all these sports in high school. I was, I was like the senior, like athlete of the year kind of thing. Like, so it's always been something I've done and it's kind of what I've continued. I worked in the ski industry as an Alpine ski coach. 
Oh. Ran a ski school. I love scuba diving is like one of my passions. Anything on the water, anything, everything on the water, skiing as well. I, I ski raced growing up. So that's, yeah, one of the things. And it's just like now, even as an adult, like getting outside every day, either going for a walk or a bike, those simple things um, have really, number one, like it's been awesome for diabetes management, but it like for my mental health and just being outside, like even living in the city in Toronto, like you can find some trees, you can find some nature, but, <laughs> uh, but right. Like, yes. so that's, you know, one of the reasons why I do what I do. Um, like you said, I've kind of like where I started, um, I'll go there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Being diagnosed. Um, I was a little kid. We had to like poke our finger, put the blood on the strip. You waited, wiped the blood off and like matched the color. So like you didn't test your blood very often. Like that just wasn't a thing because like you're, you know, your kid in school matching blood samples. Really? Um, it was like a color coordinated thing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So was, like you check, so morning, you check before you go to bed and like, who knows what's going on for the rest of the day. Um, <laughs> right. Like it's, I, I, yeah, I think now like with CGM and I'm like, how did I, how did we just like, you know, ignorance is bliss. You just kind of go about what you're doing and yeah, hope for the best. But, um, I was, so I was like debating, like, was I 10? Was I 11? But my diagnosis story, I'm going to just tell it. Cause I think it's funny. I know yeah, everyone has their diagnosis story. I love, I love to hear the diabetes story because they're all so unique and yeah. There's, we can laugh about it now sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like back then yeah, it was like, like oh, that's funny. Really yeah. But now I'm like, oh, that's uh, it's a cute story. But um, so starts off the year before I got really sick. Um, I contracted Epstein-Barr virus, which then led to tonsillitis mononucleosis, which is like tonsillitis with mono. It was like pretty bad. Oh. Little kid, bedridden. It's the summer. But I had like my hopes on going to like horseback riding camp. Mm. dreams were dashed. Um, <laughs> like couldn't go to horseback riding camp for my birthday. Miraculously, the very end of the summer, I got to go to like the one like little pony thing and got to ride a horse. So, um, <laughs> right. Goals back then. It was like, yes. <laughs> and so that October, actually I was home with the flu, right. We all know the flu, right. The standard kind of mistaken, uh, illness for diabetes. So I was home with the flu. My mom's a teacher. And so she had to go into work and she said, okay, got you some ginger ale. I bought two of the two liter bottles, you know, like those big ones, you know, you know, like that was the cure for the flu was like having flat ginger ale. <laughs> I don't know like moms still do that or Sprite or ginger ale, but that, that was the cure. Right. So she said, okay, I'm going to work. Grandma's going to come. She's going to take care of you. Just have some of the ginger ale. I'll call you as soon as I get to work. And it's only like 15 minutes away. It was a different time back then. You just like yeah. left the kids at home. So I know, right? Yeah. Like, it's <laughs> I'm like, I, was like I was babysitting my little sister when I was like 10. I was like, I don't think people do that anymore. Yeah, I was like, yeah. You're like babysitting everyone cooking a meal. Yeah. No, it's, it's a different time. It's a different time now. Um, so off she went to work. She called me and she said, you know, did you have did you have some ginger ale? And I said, yeah, I drank it. She's like, oh, okay. Like how much did you have? And I said, oh, I drank, I drank it. She's like, well, like all of it. I said, yeah, yeah. I drank it all four liters. She'd been gone for like 20 minutes. And she was wow. like, um, and at that moment I was like, mom, oh, hold on. I gotta, and I like put the phone down and I like ran to the bathroom and like, she's waiting on the phone, like while I'm peeing. Um, and then I came back and she's like, okay, I think, um, I'm going to come home and we're going to go to the doctor. So she comes home 
Grandma never arrived. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with grandma. She never got there. <laughs> so we go to the doctor and, um, you know, my mom's telling him my symptoms and he gives me one of the, like the little urine cups to pee in. Right. And I have this very, very vivid memory. I'm like walking down the hallway to go to the washroom. And so as a kid, I was an avid reader, loved books. We had this like scholastic, like book club where you could go with these like little like shopping lists and buy like a ton of books was all into it. And I just finished reading the babysitter's club. So there's a new Netflix like series out on it. If you haven't watched it, you should really? check it out. Ooh, yeah. okay. So, and I just finished reading this one book about this one character named Stacy and the book was called Stacy's Emergency. And I remember I'm like walking down the hallway and the wheels are, the hamster wheels turning. And I remember sitting down and like peeing this cup and I was like, oh, the light bulb went off. I was like, Stacy's Emergency. Stacy has diabetes. I have diabetes. I'm like, oh, I knew from reading the book because it was all Stacy's emergency was all about her diabetes and how she had a serious low and like what had happened. She had to go to the hospital, but then also like it just talked about her symptoms and stuff. And I just, I just knew it was like, I remember walking back down, like with my little peek up, giving it to the doctor. And it was like, I already knew, I already knew what he was going to say. And, you know, sure enough, he's like, okay, I called the hospital. Like you guys got to go on your way. And like pretty standard, super high blood sugar, DKA, like in the hospital for a week. Mom, you know, parents had to do all the education, but yeah. So babysitter's club book for the win there. I do. No, I feel like that's so crazy to hear because not the same, but I just feel like there was these things right before it was like a premonition, like it was coming, but I just like, there was like these little things. So that's pretty crazy. You were so young to be like, Stacy's emergency is now my emergency. Yeah, I was like, it's now Julie's. <laughs> it's yeah. your book now. Um, that's pretty wild. Yeah, this is like a side note to your story. But when I was diagnosed, I was in a different country. I was in Costa Rica. Oh wow! Okay. And the bag that I took to take like all of my clothes for the two years I was going to be there, um, I kept finding these little strips thrown no. in the bag. Did not know what they were. And then I would call my mom, like, mom, there's these like weird little strips, like are like randomly in the bag. Like they, like, it almost looks like a test strip thing, like open years ago and was just in there. And my mom's like, that's weird. I don't know whose bag that is then that you're borrowing. I'm like, oh, all right. And so then I kept finding them and whatever. My mom's like, yeah, it looks like a blood sugar test strip. So obviously that meant nothing to me at that time. Yeah. And then like the week that my family came to visit, hadn't seen them in a year my sister, we were, um, zip lining and it like asked all of like, if you have any medical conditions and my sister's like, cause I had already been feeling weird. And so she's like, Oh my gosh, what if you have diabetes? And she like said it as a joke. She's like, you should mark it. And I was like, ha ha ha. And then literally like four days later, here I am like in a hospital in Costa Rica getting diagnosed. So we always like can laugh at it now, but I just feel like there was these little signs that were like, telling me my future before it happened. That is, I can't believe your sister was like, ha ha, you probably have diabetes. And you're like, ha ha. And then you're like, I have diabetes. Yeah. <laughs> That's That's true. Yeah. Um, Cause you checked the box off. That's what did it. Right? Yeah, I know. I was like, you guys don't check the box. Yes, don't do it. Don't check the box. Don't, don't check the box. box. I did that. Um, oh, wow. That is a wild story, but thank you for sharing that. I think it's really interesting to just like hear what those are like, because yeah, I feel like 
we're in situations sometimes where people can recognize the signs right away or in situations where we don't notice them right away. And it takes like a while to really get diagnosed. Or if you're like me, you got diagnosed as an adult and then they could misdiagnose you. They think it's type two. And so it just, it can be a whole journey alone in that beginning part, but I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, no worries. It's, uh, it's kind of, I mean, it's part and parcel of my journey as well, just in how I, I feel like now there's a different message to kids growing up. It's like, you can do anything. Yay. And it's great. Right. Um, I just grew up in a very different way. Like it was kind of a, they sort of instilled that in me in a very quiet way. Um, and in more of like a, a quiet, realistic approach in that there was, there was not a cheerleading approach. It was like, Oh, you want to play that sport this year? Okay. Let's let's just make you know prep and make sure we know what we're doing or what we need to do. And so they kind of instilled this, you know, and I'm really thankful for my parents for doing that. It was just, okay, we just need some extra planning and some prep and you know, we'll tell your coaches and you know, accommodations where needed, you know, because diabetes is a life altering, life can be life-threatening, serious condition. So, you know, that that's always been the thing is, you know, plan and prepare and have a backup and support when you need it. And that's kind of how I grew up. And so that kind of took me into whatever I wanted to do as an adult or as a teenager, like I just planned and prepped, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I went away to diabetes summer camp. Um, I can't, you know, pump this enough because it's it's going to come back around, right? This, this part of the story is going to come back around. Yes. But so my first year being diagnosed, I was lucky enough and I got into this, this diabetes camp where I lived. And I, you know, I was the only kid in my school who had type, who had type one. So it was amazing to be around a whole group of other kids and the counselors. And we did like, and there were horses, there were horses at the camps. Oh, your dream. Oh, yeah. You really spent like all of her time, either at the horses or at the waterfront swimming. It was like, what or the other? Um, and it was just like the best thing because diabetes was normal. It was like, it fell into the background, right? Cause it was the one sort of common thread between everybody. And, you know, I went back kind of every other year because my parents couldn't afford it every year, but it really changed everything that became a community. And what's interesting, my brother also has type one. Um, Oh, a very interesting. Also full circle because he also works for Connected in Motion. He does all of the videos. So anything on YouTube, you've seen any of the, like the cool videography, that's him. But I like diagnosed him, (laughs) like my mom (laughs) You know, like he has his own funny diagnosis story. I won't, I won't tell it, but it's awesome. But uh, it kind of involves like going to the science center, then peeing his pants. And then like, anyway, yeah, it is like, it's a full on, it's a full on. That's our next podcast episode. Yeah. Public pee your pants story. Yeah. You'll, you'll want to hear it. But my mom had said, okay, can you go test Hank's blood sugar? And I said, okay. So I go upstairs, test it said like 26.5, which is times that by 18. So what is that over? It's like 500. Yes. And, uh, and I remember I was like, and I kind of like turned it around and I showed him and he was like, okay. And and he's like, can I have some alone time? And I was like, okay. And I like shut the door and like left his room and then went down to my mom. I was like, it's 26. We got to go to the hospital. And she's like, okay. Um, but so I've always had that support. I've all, he's been there. And I think I was 14 or 15 at the time. So I'd only had diabetes for a few years and, you know, so I grew up having somebody else with me mm-hmm. with type one. So I, I never really felt alone in that sense, other than that first year, right. Between the time of B 
being at school and before going to camp. But after that, I always felt like I had a community and it like my heart just, when I hear about people who they're like, I've, you know, had diabetes for 30 years and I've never met anybody else. I, in my heart just breaks, I think. And then I think, thank goodness you found us. Like, thank goodness you found like a community because I cannot imagine. Oh yeah. yeah. Like I can't imagine being by myself or, you know, I've had like, went into DKA, you know, 10 years ago and who was there at my doorstep driving me to the hospital was my brother, not my partner, my brother. Right. He did, he did an Ironman was training, you know, got really sick. Um, just sequence of events, you know, not enough insulin on board, da, 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 high ketones. I was there in the hospital advocating for him when they forgot to hook up the IV, right? Like, so it's having a community is just, it's so paramount. It's, I don't know. I think it's the same as having, you know, a, a healthcare team. I think oh, it's, yeah. it's, you need it's both. the game changer. I truly think it's like the game changer. I don't think I would be the person I am today or like have the partner I have today or like the friends I have today. If I didn't have that piece in my management, because yeah, as an adult, I felt, it felt weird, you know, to ask for help when I was already in my twenties, I was out of college. I was already, you know, starting my career. And it's like, okay, now I have to be very vulnerable and have to like share this big piece of me. And then I'm, I felt like I was navigating alone for a long time for three years. I didn't know anyone that had type one diabetes. And, you know, with all of like the technology, it's like, you didn't always see it. Like, it's hard to tell like, oh, they have type one diabetes. You know, I just didn't know. And then slowly when I started and like kind of allowed myself to be open to talk about, then you start meeting the people and you're like, whoa, this is really cool. And yeah, it, it does change the game for you because you always feel supported. And it's almost like this connection where you don't really, it's like a nonverbal connection. Like you don't even have to talk because you just understand each other. And it feels really welcoming when you have that. And it just is easier to oh. navigate life. Yeah. yeah. It's it, I, like in a lot of the work that I do and um, recently, actually, okay, I'll share this. I've just, I was diagnosed with ADHD. So a lot of my life makes sense now. Um, but I jumped, the first thing I tried to find was a peer support group because I was like, I know I'm like, my life is changing right now. And I'm going to need that support. I'm going to need that connection. And like diabetes is so all encompassing every aspect of your life. And, you know, I think we have this view of diabetes as like, oh, these people like, oh, Julie, her diabetes is probably like perfect. No, like you're going to go through, you're going to go through burnout. You're going to go through diabetes distress. You probably will have some mild complication down the road. It's like, those things are part and parcel with living with a chronic illness for years. Oh yeah, And it's nothing to be ashamed about. It's, you know, yes, there's grief that's involved. It's, I just, I want people to know it's just part of it. It's part of living with diabetes, you know? Um, Like even I want to kind of just go back a little bit to, you know, like my life growing up, because I think it's, it really kind of shaped who I am and why I do what I do. That diabetes camp was like the drop kind of starting in the glass, a little, the first drop of being like, Oh, cool. Okay. I'm, I'm around all these people. This is, you know, Oh, they like, Oh, we're all like testing our blood sugar together. Cool. They, Oh, <laughs> when I say I'm low, they get what, you know, it's just, it's that sense of normalcy is so important. And I remember that first summer at camp. <laughs> so back then we had diets and you had to have like certain, you know, carb exchanges, protein, and because of the insulin you use, right. You use like NPH and R, which are, you know, 
a little more volatile insulins. They're very, you know, huge peak, huge drop off, take a long time to work. You had to eat your meals. You had to eat your snacks. And I remember one of the girls in my cabin asking if I'd ever cheated on my diet. And I'd like never even thought about that, that like, I was like, cheated on my diet. I was like, no, what is that? (laughs) I was like, yeah you do that? Like, I just have to make sure I got to eat all my carbs at, you know, like my starch exchange. Um, and she snuck a packet of raisins. Yeah. Raisins. I know raisins. And she was like, have some of these raisins. And I was like, okay. So I very (laughs) first time I like, yeah, went outside. I cheated on my diet with a pack of raisins. It's kind of, it's ridiculous when you think about it. Um, yeah. But, and how things have changed in like managing with nutrition, like we don't, those are words and language that is harmful. You don't, you know, we don't, you don't cheat, you choose, you have choices, make choices for yourself, right? The best that you can at, in the moment, at the time. Um, And, you know, so that kind of shaped how, how I saw food and, you know, the teen years were super difficult endocrinologist back then would take out the red marker and circle the blood sugars that were out of range um, and ask me, yep, ask me what I did. And it caused a huge amount of anxiety growing up and in, you know, becoming a young woman and that, that stuff stays with you. It totally stays with you. And I, one of the things I advocate so strongly for is language around diabetes and understanding that you can do all the things and diabetes is still a big jerk right? Like, yeah, oh yeah, you can be like, oh yeah, okay. I'm going to do this, 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 this worked last time. And then you're like, oh, okay, no, it didn't work. But we <laughs> like to be able to have grace with yourself and, and compassion that that's okay. That, that is part of living with diabetes. I think oh. that message, but you know, the one person actually, and I want to give her a shout out was my dietitian, Marilyn Fry. She, I, so those appointments were really difficult. I remember faking blood sugars, writing them in because I was so afraid of, you know, what they would say, what they would do. You know, there was also no, like nobody talked about periods and hormones and like puberty and those, like those throw everything, you know? Um, but she, you know, was a safe spot. And we talked about her, our bunnies. Like I had a bunny growing up, she had a rabbit and she was kind of that reprieve. Um, and she was my dietitian. So I always felt, you know, her care and support meant so much to me growing up. Um, and interestingly enough, she now works with children with diabetes and I ran into her years later and I was like, you're my dietitian crying up. Oh my goodness. So yeah. 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 Kind of cool. cool to see her again, but, um, like, and yeah, just dealing with kind of things changing. Like I didn't have the technology. I didn't have CGM and going to university and not being ready you know, that's those transition guides that have come out are so beneficial and so useful. Mm-hmm. Uh, having those community groups at university, right. Um, which was college diabetes network, which is now called diabetes link, but having those community connections is really great. But um, I've like struggled with disordered eating, right. Part and parcel often with managing diabetes for so many years and like the language around food and, you know, having to eat when you're not hungry. Right, not eating because you have a high blood sugar. <laughs> yeah, it's like the hunger cues, and yeah, and I think it's so important because you're so right. When we reflect back at the beginning pieces, it's like so much fear and so much fear language around yeah. management around us. It's like always this like very hard, good or bad, and I feel like 
that language right in the beginning totally set me up to have disordered eating, to have all this fear around every single thing that I did. And I look back and it makes me sad that that, because it's so possible to have an empowering conversation in the beginning. It does not take different amount of energy. It's the same energy. It's just setting someone up to feel like things are possible. I have choice. I can have control. I can still live my life. Like it's totally possible, right? We're all living our life. So yeah, I always reflect back on that too. Like how can we change those early conversations so that people feel empowered? Yeah. And it, and it's such a small thing, like the language and there's, you know, there's been a bunch of studies and consensus statements by, you know, the ADA, by Diabetes Canada that yeah, language matters. It really matters. And how you approach, you know, if you're a healthcare provider, how you approach people living with type one, the words you use, um, the support, even, you know, I, so I'm doing a, I work with another company as well, and we're doing a big kind of research survey just about interactions between patients and healthcare providers. It's very interesting. It's coming out, coming out in November. Yeah. I want to see that. <laughs> just, uh, it's one, I'll share a little tidbit, but, um, only 30% of people are asked about, uh, how they are going into their appointments. Oh, that's sad. you know, like, how are you doing? And, you know, not touching on mental health at all, which is its own, you know, just, and thinking about community and how that interplays with mental health and the importance of that. Um, You know, kind of going back to just talking about the technology and that side of things and, you know, being on a pump, you know, I've been on a pump for 20 years and CGM. And I think, where I went from kind of where I was now, like diabetes was very much in the background always, right? Like always in the background, didn't matter what I was doing, but because you didn't have that technology, you know, you only check your blood sugar every so often. You don't, it's not, you kind of were just like blissfully unaware of things and you're sort of going about kind of your life. But with that comes you know, dealing with complications and I have very mild retinopathy, like very mild. So that's great. Knock on wood. But I also a few years back developed bilateral frozen shoulder from it, which if you don't know about it, I'm really happy you don't. If you do, or you've had it, my heart goes out to you. You're not alone. Please reach out for support. You will get through it. It is the musculoskeletal complications of diabetes are huge and Oh. not really talked about. So anyway, I, just want to throw that that. Out there. I was like, okay, I need to look into that. Yeah. No, that. So frozen shoulder, basically it's called adhesive capsulitis, your shoulder, the capsule of your shoulder basically thickens and it scars and you literally lose range of motion to the point where you can't, you can't lift your arm. Um, and it's excruciatingly painful. And it lasts for like one to three years. So a lot, yeah, a long time. It's more common in women. So ladies, hormones changes. Um, but it's also a complication of diabetes. So keep it. anyway, I just want to throw that out there. No, but that's good because again, just people aren't talking about these things yeah. all the time and people tend to feel ashamed or embarrassed and they don't share those pieces, but I think it's so important to share it because someone listening right now can be experiencing maybe symptoms of that and not even know that it's correlated, you know? And the the reason why that I bring that up is because I remember I went to a slipstream event or I was like part of it, a connected motion was holding up and it's the end of the weekend and we're sitting around doing a gratitude circle and just talking about our experience. And I remember I chatted with somebody else about frozen shoulder 
And I started crying because I said, this year has been super rough for me because of my shoulders. I haven't been sleeping. I can't like, it's been awful. And to meet and talk to somebody else in person who also is experienced experiencing this, just, it just made me feel like I'm going to be okay. And again, like not alone and that, you know, I'm not this horrible person for this happening. And I, I work in diabetes, right? This is, you know, and it just wasn't something I knew about. And then all of a sudden around the circle, it was like hands started popping up of people who also had frozen shoulder. Wow. And we didn't discover this till the end of the weekend. And that was a really big eye opener, which led into our virtual events in the pandemic. So we brought on someone to talk about um, the muscle, muscular skeletal, like complications of diabetes, because it just wasn't, it's just not talked about. Yeah. So I mean, now in the kind of where I am and the, the, you know, the pendulum was kind of swung the other way with all the technologies that I'm much more vigilant than I ever used to be. And it's such an important part because it impacts everything. So it's my priority day in and day out. Um, And then exercise, right? Like that's, you know, from not only for diabetes, but from a mental health, those two things kind of combine leading into talking about my career, right? Um, Yeah. So yeah, I just kind of, I like all these like little stories and these little tidbits of things. And I think are just really important in understanding, like, and we know like with social media, right? Like there's always somebody out there that you can find that is going through something similar to you. And I think sometimes we struggle to reach out for help or to ask for help. Yes, of course. But I think it's important to just like also hear all of the experiences you've had in the story to be where you are now and you're impacting and creating and bonding and you're a big part of the diabetes community. So I think it's just important for us to always just share, you know, where we're coming from because we have truly all lived such different experiences and we all have different relationships with our diabetes. So I appreciate it. It's been really awesome just to hear like start to like where you are now. So tell us more about how did you become who you are now and more so like, how did you get connected with connected in motion? Were you at the start of that or like how long? Cause I'm just learning about connected in motion myself. So it was really fun to read through your website, see some of the videos. Like I was like, um, can I work here? (laughs) I was like, I want to be in this. Um, I love nature and love the outdoors. So I love that. It's just like a combination of a lot of things that are important to me as well. So Tell us more about it, how it got started and what you do inside of Connected Motion. Yeah. So um, I guess a little bit for like those folks who don't know, um, we are a registered charity in Canada and our mission is to foster a community of folks with type one um, through peer-based experiential diabetes education, sport and exercise, um, outdoor adventure pursuits, and just kind of to inspire each other to live without limits is sort of the the actual like mission, but, and what that means, like, so peer-based experiential education. So experiential education is basically you're, you're in an environment, you're trying something, you're seeing kind of the outcomes, you're reflecting on it and then making some adjustments or changes and going back out and trying it again. So it's very, it's a very like sport related type of education and, but we've applied it to diabetes, right? Cause how else do we learn with diabetes? You, you learn stuff in the clinic, right? And that's great. And you're getting that info, but it, you got to take it home, right? 
at, you know, midnight when you've had the snack and you're going low and you're, you know, are you up at 6am trying to get to work, whatever. So with what we do is we take it outside and, you know, we bring people together in retreat weekends or outdoor adventure trips, um, canoeing, backpacking, um, to try and learn from each other. So you're in a, in a retreat kind of setting, um, with your peers, like, so let's say I, you know, I'm like, mm, maybe I want to start, you know, running or something like that. And maybe I have like no fitness. I, this is new for me, but you're a runner, you're a runner, Val. you've, you've run marathons. So I'm probably going to ask you some questions or you're going to talk about your experiences. So I'm going to start to learn and start to absorb some information about that. And then maybe I'm going to like tweak my settings of my pump, or I'm going to, you know, go kayaking that afternoon and see kind of what happens. And so you're kind of gathering all of these little bits and pieces of information from the peer group you're with, but also from the educational sessions that you're in, as well as the activities that you're doing. Um, And so the way that kind of the event started and why we call them slipstreams. Um, So Chloe Vance is the founder and she was diagnosed with diabetes well, I can't remember, but uh, she was, I think, a little bit older. She was an adult. I think she was 18, 17 or 18. So she kind of missed out on the camp kind of thing, is, which is really popular here. Um, she was down in New Zealand, and she was with a group called Hypoactive. And she kind of just stumbled upon them. She was with her husband or her now husband at the time. And this group was cycling kind of around the South Island of New Zealand, they all had type one and it just, she happened to meet the founder and they said, do you want to come with? And she was like, yeah, yeah, I do. And she said it was the most incredible experience she ever had because if she was low, there was someone right there with a juice box or some gummies, right? Um, If she needed help, there was somebody right there. And so a slipstream is kind of, it comes from the analogy of um, you've got like the flying like the geese fly kind of in a V formation when they're traveling, traveling south, or you've got cyclists in the peloton where they're drafting off of each other, right? So someone's taking the lead, they're doing the hard work and kind of everyone behind them is in their slipstream and they're like, oh, I'm going to get emotional. Yeah. <laughs> they are, they're working together towards a common goal which is to finish. And I guess finish would just be living life with diabetes. And at times you need support. You fall in behind in that slipstream and you lean on the other people. And at other times you're feeling strong and you can give support to others. So you take the lead and help somebody out. And that could be as simple as, you know, reaching out on social media, posting something, reaching out to a friend. Like there's different ways that you can do that. But that sort of was the idea she kind of came away, came back to Canada and realized she's like, okay, where's, you know, all the, you know, young adults, what are they doing? And there was nothing. So her being an outdoor education teacher, she decided to put on a retreat weekend and a bunch of people came and they said, okay, when are you doing this again next? She was like, well, I don't know. I just like put one on and, you know, and that's why it kind of came together. We are connected in motion. So we come together through activity and adventure. And that was in 2008. So we've been around for a while and our community has grown. Our offering of events has grown. Um, Yeah. And just the whole idea of getting people outside into nature. And we now, and especially with the pandemic and being in lockdown, we know how crucial it is to our our mental health and well-being. Right. So. Oh my gosh. That was so beautiful to hear. Like just the story of how it got started and 
I love that with just leaning on each other, you know, we're all kind of leaning on each other. And I love that just like the peer learning. I think that's so important because you're right. All of us are doing things that either someone would love to do one day or is interested in trying. And when you can implement like that in real time and kind of collect your own data and get feedback, but in a group that's supportive, that's amazing. I was like, I want to join the next slipstream. <laughs> you come. You're welcome. We, we want so, to you. Yeah, this is awesome. So what specifically do you do on the team? Yeah. So I am the slipstream manager. So my job is to basically plan from you know, start to finish slipstream events. And I guess what a slipstream is, we it's it's a retreat, but we have it at a summer camp. So think rustic. rustic. <laughs> um, like wear your t-shirt, your running shoes, right? It's cold, bring a hoodie. Um, and we bring together speakers who present on different topics. So like exercise and adventure, nutrition, mental health, technology, diabetes management, special topics like pregnancy, cannabis, dental care, all those things, um, as well as we host a variety of activities. So because we're at a summer camp, you'll get to swim or kayak, go high ropes, do some hiking. And what we say is the weekends are challenged by choice. So you make up your schedule. You can come and do absolutely nothing and just hang out, or you can like jam pack your schedule, do everything. It's totally up to you, um, but you get to be around other adults with type one. It's 18 plus, and it's only people with type one. And so like support folks are not invited unless it's a specific event. And we do do some of those. Um, but similarly, um, you know, Lada, Modi, Type C3, like they're welcome to join us as well. It's not yeah. just yeah. Type 1. Awesome. Um, but yeah, it's, and all, I want to say to all fitness levels, I know some folks, they look at the website and they think, oh my gosh, like, yeah, I gotta be like this incredible, like backpacker marathoner. No, no, it's at anyone and everyone. Um, and like you said, Val, just, you might be inspired or you might want to try something, but you're nervous to try it. And these weekends are great for that. It's a really good, like dip your toes in the water to see what it's about. And guaranteed you will meet someone who has been in your position and can help you through it. Um, and one thing I do want to say too, is that we like, so prior to my frozen shoulders, I was super active and I was, you know, two weeks out of every month, I was traveling for work. I was in New Zealand. I was in Australia. I was in all over North America. And I was doing these like major events. And then all of a sudden I can't lift my arms to wash my own hair. And it was like that for almost three years. So I had to start back right at the beginning at square one. And, it, you know, like the things that I did before I couldn't do, I, 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 I couldn't go jump on my skis and go skiing. So I had to take it super slow and be gracious and just be so gentle with myself. I was so frustrated. But so even if, you know, you think, oh, I'm, that's not where I am. You don't, you don't know, like me, you could look at those pictures and be like, oh, she's doing all the stuff. But then like a couple of years ago, I was, you know, I was not doing those things. So um, yeah, just really important that I think people know that, that you don't have to be some super athlete to come, but you can be one of those too. Right? <laughs> yeah, um, like if you are. If you are, you like, come on, we want you to come to the events as well. And that's kind of nice that it's people of all different ability levels, all different like diagnosis ages too, right? Like people have had diabetes for one year, six months, 45 years, everything in between. Yeah. Um, I know. I was going to ask, is there, so like, is this 
I know you do event, events in the US also, right? Not just Canada. Yeah. So yeah. you guys kind of go everywhere. And then is there like an age? Like what age can people do it? Do they have to be 18? Can they be a teenager? What does all that look like? <laughs> yeah. So we serve adults only. We the the youth or the pediatric age category is pretty well served by a lot of the camps and programs and the adults are not. So that's kind of where we, we step in just, you know, 18 years of age. So once kids are leaving sort of pediatric care, um, they have this option to come and join us and it's like summer camp for adults. So yeah, I've never gone to a summer camp. I'm like, this is so cool. <laughs> it is. It's fun. I mean, and it's not for everyone, right? Not everyone is going to enjoy, you know, sleeping in a rustic cabin, um, and sitting around a campfire and that's totally cool. Um, but that's also why we have virtual slipstream. So all the- <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. Totally. that's also why we have, we've got a virtual event, um, yeah. coming in February, but so, yeah, I mean, we want people to come out and try it. We also don't want, um, there to be financial barriers. So we do have, um, like a scholarship program, financial subsidy, and that's open to anyone and everyone. Um, one thing I did want to mention that we're really working hard on is just access and accessibility and diversity. And it's also the reason why, even with the pandemic kind of hopefully coming to a close, we decided to continue with virtual slipstream, um, an online event similar in feel, but obviously just from behind the computer because it allows access to more people. Yeah. Uh, globally as well as like it's hard sometimes to take a whole weekend off because our our slipstreams are kind of Friday evening until Sunday at lunchtime so you come for the whole weekend um food is included all your activities your accommodation the only thing that isn't is you've got to bring like your sleeping bag or like your pillow and blanket mm-hmm. um and you're like here <laughs> yeah yeah you're here and if and everything is provided so like if you're going canoeing we've got life jackets we've got paddles and we'll teach you how to canoe um right so you know, it's a great opportunity to try something kind of new. Um, it's so cool. I am like obsessed already because I, when I was diagnosed, I loved traveling. I loved being outdoors. And then I got diabetes and I felt like, you know, I was in the Peace Corps and they were like, you can't do this anymore because you have type one diabetes. And that was like so hard for me at that time to like process. And so I took a year to like learn as much as I could. And then I was like, I'm just going to go do this. So I went and traveled for half a year in Central and South America and I learned so much and it was great. Um, but I, I would love to have done it with like a group of people or no other people because Lissy always says this. It's like my favorite line, just kind of like you can't learn how to dose for the cupcake if you don't eat the cupcake. So I kind of felt like I'm not going to learn how to travel again with my type one diabetes if I don't just try it and just like allow myself to be in that situation. And it wasn't easy. There was, it was definitely, definitely challenging, but it's like something that I'm just so proud of myself for doing because it did allow me to open up to just like, there are other things outside of just like sitting here and being scared. Like I can really go out there and do the things that I like to do. And so it's really awesome to see just like an organization in a community that is doing that and inviting people who may be scared or maybe have never gone outdoors like that, but now they have this super supportive community and space to do it and feel confident, like stepping into it. So I just think it's really, really inspiring. I love it. Sure. And that's really cool to hear about your travel stories. Um, I also traveled quite a bit and like you said, it's a trial and error, right? Like diabetes management, like you, um, you can 
you can guess and you can figure out, okay, this, this cupcake has this many carbs or whatever, but you don't really quite know until you eat it, how you're going to react. Right. And how, it's, how your body's going to, going to handle it. And, um, this kind of learning from what my parents taught me, right? Like you, you prep and you plan as best you can. And then you've got sort of this backup and support kind of ready to go. And so I did a, like a five month trip in Africa, lived in, um, South Korea, taught English, lived in, um, South Africa. So also, but also similarly, like kind of did those kind of on my own, right? Like, mm-hmm. and so similarly to you, you kind of learn as you go and kind of figure it out. But like, how, how cool is it that we got that opportunity and we took that leap and we're like, okay. Yeah. Right? yeah, it was cool. Yeah. I love, I always like, I feel like that's one of my favorite times of life. Cause it was just fun to just like be free, but also scared, but also challenging myself. And yeah, there's definitely times I was like crying on a bench outside of a pharmacy because they didn't have the strips I needed. And I was like, oh my God, I have to wait till I go to Chile to get, you know, the strips that I need. And you know, it was a whole, a whole adventure of just like, I remember like crossing borders and they were like, you have to throw away all your snacks. I'm like, no, I need the snacks. Like I, I need them. I'm on a bus for the next like eight hours. So, you know, it was a lot of just, yeah, getting yourself to advocate for yourself in situations. Um, in some of those countries, if, you know, luckily I spoke Spanish, but some of the countries that I've been to, I didn't speak the language and just being able to navigate that. It's definitely a journey and, but it's fun. Yeah. I'm glad I did that. <laughs> cool. I want to, <laughs> want to hear more of your stories about I know we'll have to we'll have to chat I know yeah. I feel like yeah I just want to like hang out with you and talk about <laughs> this is the swap travels right the, the one you're like no my snacks like I had my insulin pump accidentally stolen and I was like no my insulin pump right like oh, there's so many things there's just yes so I've had but my insulin stolen traveling too like my insulin pins yeah totally Good old Australia. Just told my, you're yeah. like, what? Yeah. Oh, and like some places, like insulin's easy to get. Other places, it's pretty much impossible to get. And, yeah. But just so much, it's wild. Yeah. Um, I yeah. want to share about yeah. our. So you guys are gonna get a first preview of our events. Nobody else knows about this. So it's awesome. So our full schedule is coming out in January, uh, and that is our official. So these are all tentative. These are not set in stone. Some of them are, but some of them aren't. So I will share. So our, our first event this year is virtual slipstream happening February 10th to 12th. That is officially set in stone. We've opened up speaker session uh, applications. So, and I believe Lizzie uh, put something in. So Lizzie, we want you. So, <laughs> um, so we will start scheduling that, but virtual slipstream is uh, like I said, it started in the pandemic, but that's not what it is anymore. This is, we're going to be having some fireside chats, some cool niche topics, some really great speakers coming. You can come to one, you can come to all, you know, you can have it playing in the background while you're doing other stuff. Um, but it's just a great opportunity to get some really great education led by folks with type one. So it's kind of one of our, our things we want to bring. The majority of our speakers have type one diabetes. So yeah. speaking from experience, um, which is cool. Uh we're going back to Northeastern. We're going back to Maine in May again. Um, so hopefully folks will join us. And that one's set in stone. We will have Western Slipstream. So either Alberta or BC, Canada in June. Um, beautiful event. These are ones that we people tend to fly out to because it's sort of a cool destination. Then Colorado Slipstream in August, which is, I'm a little biased, but I think that's like our most beautiful location. It's like literally up 
in the Colorado mountains and it's amazing. Um, a new location in September right now, we're currently looking at Atlanta, Georgia. So heading down yeah, to the South, which would be super cool. Cause it's a new place that we've never been before. So serve service, a whole new community down there. And then our tried and true, the sort of original OG Slipstream, which is Ontario, which will be in September. So yeah, just in the process of planning and nailing down all those dates with those camps, but that'll be coming out in January. So if anyone is interested, you know, pop on the website. Yeah. We'll let you guys know when that's happening. Yeah. Um, So do, so is there like a limited number of spots and do we just like apply? Like, what does that piece look like? Yeah. So it's a registration. There's a registration fee. Again, that includes like your accommodation, your meals, all the activities, all the speakers for the weekend. And it's pretty heavily subsidized by sponsorship. Um, basically by sponsorship (laughs) is is the way that we, you know, manage to, to do those. Um, and yeah, there's usually depending on the event, you know, there'll be, you know, 40 to a hundred, uh, registration spots. And once they fill, they fill, obviously we can't magically make more cabins or more bed spaces. Um, so, but there is a, we usually do a discount earlier on in the year. So there is an option to get a discount if you register a little bit early. Um, but, and yeah, that, that'll just be on our website. We'll do a big announcement. We're in registration. So normally like we'll release our schedule and get everyone stoked about it. And then Mm -hmm. we'll let you know when registration opens for the events and when they close. Oh my gosh. That's so great. I'm like needles and spoons team. Let's go as a team. (laughs) I like, I feel like that would be so fun. It's just like a group event. Um, oh my gosh, this is so great. It's been so awesome to hear all of this. Okay. Before you go though, because I don't want to take all of your time, but what is like one of your favorite memories or experiences at one of these events? Ooh, that is, that's, that's probably a hard question. <laughs> I, and honestly, I can't, I can't pick just one. There's, there've been, I've been to so many different events that we've had over the years. I've met so many people and each event I come away with like a handful of incredible experiences and stories. And I, I would say like, you go from like laughing to crying to like, and I feel like most people, they walk away from the event they're like, oh, that was really fun. But then they walk away and it's like a couple of days later when they realize like how impactful it was. And we have a lot of folks, especially men, when they do come out to the events, they are like, I didn't realize how much I needed that until I was there and then I left. And it just sort of like fills up your cup and kind of helps you get through. And just so one of the traditions that we have, um, we tell stories around the campfire usually, and it's called no poop there. I was <laughs> stories and they're like usually diabetes theme, but oh gosh, people have the most hilarious stories. And it's meant to like, kind of be a lighthearted, like you can laugh after the fact, like you're, you know, you can get insulin at the time. It was not great, but you can kind of laugh afterwards in sort of trying to find humor in everything. And some of the stories are great and people bond over that. You know, there's another <laughs> time where we like rented a place for the event and they had triple bunk beds. Like triple bump. Yeah. Oh like the first the top one, like yeah. so high, so like, high up. Like, I hope you're not low up there. Like whoever's <laughs> up there has got to go to bed with a high blood sugar. Um, like, you know, just things like that. And just, you know, I've made super close friends in this community and they're 
my lifelong friends. Like I, I met Jen Hansen, who's the executive director right now. She's on Matley, but I met her when we were teenagers at that camp, at that summer camp. Um, and that's kind of how I got connected to it. I had been traveling, living in South Africa and I came back and she's like, Hey, do you want to volunteer? And I was like, yeah, sure. And she was like, do you want to work for us? And I was like, Yep. And so I left a corporate job to come and work for Connected in Motion. And then that's kind of when I became, I wrote my exams and became a a CDE. And yeah, so that's kind of how I've been involved. But it's, yeah, it's hard to pick just like one because there's just, yeah. I mean, it's like your life right now. So (laughs) I feel like there's just so much magic, like you're saying, in those moments, in those experiences. And I think just having a group of people to just, and just have that space, I think that alone is just, can be so magical. Cause like you said, your cup gets filled, you feel inspired, you feel connected, you feel supported. I mean, it, it's just like a once in a lifetime, like feeling if you've never had that before to be in a special place like that. Um, I've never gone to a camp like that, except for like fifth grade science camp when I was like 10, <laughs> I, you know, I can barely remember that now, but I mean, I just remember it being so fun to do something like that, like go away from home, go to a new place you've never been and just like make connections. And it's brave, man. Like we have people who come who don't know anyone with diabetes, don't know anyone in the community. And like, you guys, those folks, you're also brave for doing that, right? Like you're taking a huge risk coming out to something and we see event after event with new folks. And I'm, that's one of my favorite things. I'm always astonished that people are, they just have that courage and they're like, I don't know anyone, but I'm going to go away for an entire weekend with the, with these folks. I don't know. know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't, you know, and they do. And like, there's just, there's so many incredible friendships too that come out of this. Um, I did want to mention, we do have something because I think it's important. Our adventure team. It is an amazing adventure trek that we do once a year. It's a big kind of advocacy fundraising event. It's an application process. We've had people who have never done any backpacking or camping, hiking, and then experts. And it's just kind of an incredible experience. Go And we go to epic places. So that'll be on the website too. But it's a pretty cool, it's a pretty cool experience. People are chosen. It's a small team of folks. So but, oh, that'd be cool. but I wanted to pump that because yes, that, pump that. I was like, you might see my application come through. Yeah, and and like we get so many applications, everyone and everyone, we don't, we don't go through and pick. We actually have a, a an actual, um, like a system that does it. Oh yeah. uh, no. We have like a whole like group of people, a whole board. Oh, cool. that, like, so it's not just us being like picking and they, they really do a good job of going through everyone's application and, you know, considering everyone weighing, you know, anyway, it's, it's cool, but that'll be on our website too. So that'll be coming up. So Awesome. Well, if you guys aren't stoked about signing up, you're crazy because it sounds so fun. Um, but I was going to say any like words of wisdom that you want to share anything. Um, you know, you've had so many beautiful experiences in your life and you've had some challenges, like anything to anyone who's either like newly diagnosed or, you know, maybe they're listening in and you want to share. Yeah. So I have two, I have two pieces. Um, the first is all about mental health and, it's a it's near and dear to my heart, especially just being diagnosed with ADHD, having had depression and anxiety, and then finally the correct diagnosis and understanding how that plays in with my diabetes. Woo! Mind blown, right? But it's and I like to call it brain health is a new, but it is the cornerstone of diabetes management and care. 
it is it is the single largest piece that you can do for yourself um, because everything else becomes secondary um, if you're struggling. And I kind of look at it it's like life is not life is not easy and seamless and it's not supposed to be right. We're all going to face hardships. That's kind of the nature of being a human being. And how important is it to look to the community for support? You know, whether you follow on social media, like diabetes, TikTok, you go to an event, but also to like that mental health, like make it a priority because it just impacts every aspect of our diabetes management, right? With like burnout, with depression, we're so much more prone to depression and anxiety living with chronic illness. It's like two times as high, right? Those rates in people living with type one. So yeah, I just having a peer support as well is going to help, like we said, fill your cup, bring you joy, focus on, you know, doing the things that bring you joy if you can. Um, and if, and if you, you know, you need help that you're finding a mental health professional, because that as well will impact your diabetes care in a positive way. And I just really want to like shout that from the rooftops because it's so, so important. Um, and sadly, most clinics and most people don't have access to it. It's not something that's talked about. It's not, it's not in the forefront. So, and then the other thing is get out and try what you're nervous to try, right? The, the greatest, the greatest adventures you'll ever have. And the personal growth comes from stepping outside your comfort zone, right? No matter your starting point, but that stepping outside is kind of where the magic happens. That's where, that's where we change. That's where we grow. That's where we see what we're capable of. And it doesn't have, and everyone's got their own starting point, right? And even, you know, like, um, Seb Sassaville who climbed Everest, like he still has a comfort zone. He still has to step outside it to do new things. Um, you know, take it slow and look to the community for advice and support. And the chances are someone has been in your shoes and they'd love to share their experience with you and help you out. So, you know, no matter what it is, how small you think it is, just, just take that little, that little baby step. Um, cause you never know where it's going to lead you. So, oh. I love that. That was beautiful. I feel so good. It's been really nice to talk with you and your energy is very bright and loving. And so I found, I feel like you've truly found like your passion and purpose and you're in the right space, helping so many people. So thank you for all that you guys do and what you've created for the community. It's really amazing and exciting to see. Um, but thank you so much for joining us. And yeah, we will have in the show notes, um, their website, you guys can check it out. It looks like they have videos and everything you guys can check out and connect with them to hopefully see them on one of the next slipstreams. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This is, this was really great. It was so much fun. It was nice to actually like go through and think about like, Oh, I haven't talked life. about my diagnosis in a while. Yeah. I don't like my life story in a while. And, you know, we love what you all are doing. Lizzie's like, she's amazing. We want to have, you know, the team out to an event, like come and we hope like anyone who's watching and, you know, your private community, like, let us know if you have questions, reach out. Um, we'll share as much information as we can um, with the needles and spoons team to, to make sure that, you know, you all have that information and you can share it. So yeah. yeah. Thanks again for awesome. having me. Yeah, of course. It was so great to meet you and we will hopefully see you out on the trails out in nature soon. Hopefully do. Yeah. Come join us. <laughs> Bye, Julie. Thank Bye. you. Take care.